This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always a treat to talk to our next guest, Aaron Anderson. I got to do it last night for his Colorado Sports Night show, Fox 31. Uh, returning the favor, Aaron Anderson joins us. Aaron Anderson, that's S-E-N on Twitter. Aaron, thanks so much for, for joining us here. The joint practices for the Broncos and the Rams are underway tomorrow and Thursday. Essentially, those are the last two most important days of the preseason schedule, even though there is a third preseason game. And the Broncos appear to be getting healthier at the right time. Without question, and as you uh, aptly put last night, thanks again for uh, hopping on our show. Uh, these workouts are, are so focused and fine-tuned that you know, the players and coaches get the most out of them because you can, you can operate situationally, whether it be you know, red zone, third down and long, whatever it may be. It, it gives uh, these players, these coaches, an opportunity to get you know, high-volume, high-energy reps against competition outside of the, 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 the players you've been butting heads with for the last three, four weeks at training camp. So, yeah, you're right. These are the most important two practices as we get ready for the regular season. And uh, I'm really excited to see exactly you know what the Broncos' offense and defense and the special teams brings to the table. They're playing teams in the preseason, of course, uh, whom they will not face unless they get to the Super Bowl and happen to face one of them. But it's interesting because Arizona and the Rams are considered to be two of the five worst teams in the league, um, pretty much by acclamation. And the 49ers are considered to be one of the, certainly one of the five best teams, maybe one of the three or four best teams in uh, the NFL. Uh, Between the joint practices and the game itself, are we going to learn anything additionally about the Broncos that we don't already know or at least suspect? Yeah, I, I would say so, Sandy. Obviously, we've had a small sample size when you think about Russell Wilson, and certainly as you go back to Saturday's game where it was a 13-play series and that was it for his night, we're going to see extended reps, uh, live bullets against um, you know uh, pro football players. As John Fox said, they get paid too. The one disappointment I have is the fact that Aaron and That's, Donald. That, that was part of my point. That it, they didn't even it, think it was worth it to bring Donald along. Now, that may be smart from their standpoint. But, yeah, that's disappointing for us, isn't it? Well, certainly when it comes to the offensive line, I, I, I would love to see Donald test powers and bowls on that left side. That, that's one of the weak spots I've seen thus far. And you're right. I mean, look, the, the Cardinals and Rams aren't, they're not figured, uh, you know, they're, they're not predicted to do a whole lot this season. But, you know, an opportunity to, to, to get live reps against an NFL team is invaluable. And uh, they're going to get uh, plenty of reps. And I, those of us who are lucky enough to, to, to watch the goings-on, I think are going to learn a lot about the consistency of this offense and defense and how they stack up against different looks and in different scenarios. Um, I'm excited to, to see – uh, Russell Wilson and this offense get extended minutes, um, and uh, we'll see what they bring to the table. I, I think, as, as Sean mentioned last night, you know what we saw Saturday was encouraging. But you know, um, PT Barnum had once said, "Always leave them wanting more." Well, I, I think we want more. We want to be sure that this is a Broncos team capable of putting this, uh, you know, this pre- once proud fr- franchise back on the NFL map. And. 
going into what we've seen thus far, what's the part that needs to improve most quickly? And we know Russell Wilson. I, I get that. But is there a, a segment of the team? We've talked about the pass rush before being a concern. We've talked about the offensive line. You've alluded to that. Have Has anything you've seen in the preseason made you feel better about some of the weaknesses and have some of the weaknesses maybe been exacerbated by what you've seen in the first two weeks? Well, I, I think that, gosh, Jonathan Cooper uh, has, has been a real standout. Zach Allen played well on Saturday, as did uh, Randy Gregory. I, I would love to see this. Uh, you know, defensive front, get after the quarterback, whether it be the, the Rams or the 49ers, you know, that that's, that's a concern that I think we all had heading in when it came to depth and whether or not uh, this is a team that, that could, you know, uh, tally sacks last season after the trade of Bradley Chubb, it, it just really took the air out of this defense. We know the back end is going to be solid when it comes to cornerbacks and safeties, but uh, you know, D line outside linebackers, I'm curious to see what we have and, yeah, offensive line certainly is is a question mark. I, I'm still not um, satisfied with what we have in terms of the kicker with Brent Maher back there. So, yeah, I think there's a, a lot to be gleaned from from the next uh, few days, and, and certainly uh, the the final preseason game coming up on Saturday night. I, I, I'm I'm really, like I say, excited to get out there and, and see this team take another step. Uh, like we said, it, encouraged by. You know, what took place in Santa Clara, but uh, I think we can all agree this this squad has a long way to go. Are we reading it correctly that it is possible that, uh, at least for the joint practices, nobody of consequence will play in the actual game on Saturday night, but assuming that Simmons and McGlinchey even will be able to participate in the joint practices, is that accurate as far as you know? I, I would be stunned to be honest with you if McGlinchey saw any action at all. Okay. I think you want to. I think you'd want to. But Simmons, that guy. Simmons, I think would be a lot more uh, probable to to see some action. But uh, McGlinchey, we all know how valuable the right tackles are. You can't afford to have this guy dinged up again. There's just I, I cannot see um, a scenario where he gets any time at all. It will be interesting to see if that uh, alters things. Of course, we know with no Aaron Donald, maybe that's part of the equation too. But how much does that hamper the Broncos' development? Because we know on that offensive line, we know that the the reps that you get, uh, the amount of familiarity with one another matters. The idea that you have to hold him out because of health, does this mean that the Broncos, who remember who they face in week one, that's Max Crosby, who completely has the Broncos' number. Uh, Does this put them kind of behind the eight ball for that matchup in particular? Well, I, I, I would have to say yes, but, you know, for my money, the, the issue on the line was more on the left side with, uh, with Powers and, of course, sure. Garrett Bowles. I, sure. I just, I've sure. seen no, you're right. time and time again that, you know, Russell Wilson is dealing with pressure from that side. And, you know, obviously reps are king, right? You've got to have continuity within this unit. However, it, it appeared to me that outside of jumping on occasion – and a few of those first practices, McGlinchey was was very sound on that side of the ball. I I just I, I don't know I don't know that there's a substitute for live bullets. And you know whether Donald's there or not, I just think the more work that we get out of Ben Powers and Garrett Bowles, hopefully that the better those two get because uh, you know for the first couple games of the preseason, that side looked completely out of sorts to me. It is interesting that it, it, they're not playing good football teams necessarily in the first two games. And of course they're both at home, but 
you've got the Raiders, who even defensively have kind of had the Broncos number going back to 2019. The Broncos haven't beaten the Raiders. And then you got Washington, and I, I make it a practice not to take preseason football seriously, even when the Broncos are playing in the games. But since it was on ESPN last night, I grudgingly admit having watched a little bit of Washington and Baltimore. And you know what? I thought Sam Howell looked decent. And I think Washington has a good defense. And as much as uh, I don't necessarily care for Jack Del Rio, I think he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. Um, And given the Max Crosby issues, uh, those first two games could test the offense. And if you've got a weakness, and I agree 100% with you, on one side of the line, I think the right side is fine, but the left side did major question marks. Powers gave up another sack the other night. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I think we all, when the schedule was released, you said, oh, gosh, the Raiders, how, how difficult could that be in the opener? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, well. and then we look at the Redskins, I mean, excuse me, the Commanders. Who are they? They're, no one's afraid of them, but you're right. Sam Howell, looked, he looked good to me last night. He looked night. okay. I mean, he looked like a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like <laughs> this football team is going to be tested, as you said, right out of the gate. And uh, the Raiders, as you, you've alluded, have certainly had the Broncos number <laughs> uh, for the last few seasons. For three years. Yeah. Yep. And and there's no cupcakes in this league as we hear time and time again. And and I can guarantee you that Raiders teams it's going to be ready to go for the opener. So yeah, there's there's uh, you know the time is at the essence, and, and that's why I think this coming week is going to be so valuable for this team to to take another step in the right direction. And I, um, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say I I agree with your assessment that you made a couple of minutes ago that the second game was quite a bit better than the first from the Broncos' standpoint. And I, I, again, with all of the usual provisos about exhibition slash preseason football, the Broncos have made a habit of losing games more or less like they've lost these two exhibition games so far. Does that cause anybody, at least from a psychological standpoint, any concern at all the Broncos have been accustomed in recent years to losing games in the last minute or even on the last play and in these two games they have lost on the last play you're right Uh, good teams is the old adage find a way to win bad teams oftentimes find a way to lose Uh, I thought Jonathan Cooper's comments after the game in Santa Clara, we're, we're really on point, which was it doesn't matter if these are exhibition games or not. We need to get used to winning. They need to, this team needs to buy into the process of winning. And, and what he was talking about was, I think, the message that Sean Payton gave the team afterwards, which is, hey, this is nothing to, to, to be happy about. We should be hanging our heads. We lost a football game. And I think that's a, a sound approach for a, a franchise that is, quite simply lost its way over the years. Um, you know, winning is uh, an acquired skill. And uh, I think to have a guy on board, a sage football mind who appreciates that and is trying to instill in his team that, hey, even if this is the preseason and it doesn't count, 
there is something to be said for walking off that field as a winner. And uh, this team has yet to, to taste that this season. But the fact that, that uh, Jonathan Cooper talked about that after a game that, that doesn't, you know, isn't going to register in anybody's, you know, memory banks two or three months from now, I thought was, was important that uh, maybe that's the first step in turning things around taking these exhibition games a little bit more seriously. You don't have to be Jim Harbaugh and the Ravens and try to win 24 in a row, but winning is winning. And I, I think that that's Sean Payton is, is before, something that he's trying to instill. Before in I let you go because of that, <laughs> uh, watching that game, and I went back and forth with some of our colleagues it's on like social media at the record. time, yeah. I got the impression that John Harbaugh was very happy to get that streak over and done with to the point where there may have even been some moves that may have facilitated it. Yeah, I'm not sure John Harbaugh, (laughs) of all the records you want to have that have anything to do with winning, wants to hold on to a 24-game exhibition season winning streak. I don't think that does much. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Ravens. I think he was. I didn't think he wanted <laughs> he to hear it anymore. I think I think he, he, wanted, was, he was tired of hearing it. So let's lose one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think it was a point well served. And if we remember, uh, weren't the Lions when they went zero sixteen? Weren't they four zero in the preseason? They were. So they were. I mean. Maybe, they were. maybe there exactly is some, right. some credit that we should shove uh, Harbaugh's way for just ending this thing. And, and oh, I, I, I remember back in the old days when they played six. I remember teams yeah. that went 6-0 in the preseason six. and could <laughs> and won half that many during the regular season. That went six right. for six. Yeah, and I mean, that, that tells you where the difference in franchises are, right? If, you're, if the Ravens like, I really wouldn't mind losing this, and the commanders walked off acting like they won the Super Bowl. That's just Absolutely. the difference of where where your where your franchise is. In the end, the Broncos are trying to go from the direction of one of them and go to the direction the other way. We'll find out if they get it done. Aaron Anderson for Fox Thirty One joining us again. Aaron Anderson, that's S E N on Twitter. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Looking forward to these joint practices uh, as well. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, and hope to see you both out there. All right, we'll do. Thanks. It is going to be an interesting spot, Sandy, because I look at this particular situation in these next two practices, and we know that that last game is going to be no one of at least significance for the Broncos is going to play. Does the opportunity to make a Broncos roster end on Thursday afternoon, not Saturday? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, I'm going to assume that Brett Maher is going to make this team at this point, unless he has a horrific joint practices. Uh, he's the only kicker. I don't know and, how long he's going to stick around. Last, last week was the week he had to produce, and... And Not he that he was severely tested, but he did. He made a long one and a short one. Um, everything went down the middle. Uh, the extra point uh, deal was 
Well, they had two touchdowns, so he kicked two extra mm-hmm. points. Yeah, they were fine. Two they field were right goals, down, two extra down points. the middle. So Maher is going to start the season, I imagine, as their place kicker. But I, as we discussed yesterday, I do think it's week to week. Uh, I don't think he can afford a bad game, at least without assuming that the following week they'll bring some kickers in. Now, they may not be signed, but I I think their patience will be short. This is not a team, unlike the Dallas team of last year, that could win a playoff game with Maher missing right. extra point after extra that's, that's point. That's easy to forget, isn't Five it? and all, yeah. and clearly having the yips, and they won the game against Tampa Bay going away because Tampa Bay by then was just another bad football team. Even though they made the playoffs, they had a losing record. And... You know, they he was shaky in the championship game, but that he he in no way, shape, or form was the reason they lost. But still, in a playoff game to be that bad, I mean that even though they won the game, that sealed his fate in Dallas. And anything like that, I think at least brings in uh maybe even more than one kicking prospect the following week on a Monday or Tuesday, whatever, and they they take a look at him. Um, so, uh, yes, I think, uh, the leash is short and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this season, the Broncos went shopping for a kicker again. So if that, that position seems to be locked really, uh, and I've kind of kept you up to date on this over the weeks, but I mean, this is where I kind of think things are going and for the Broncos, these are the positions that I have up for grabs. They have their two quarterbacks. We know that. Uh, we had, I believe, the three running backs are there. We in Williams, P. Ryan, and McLaughlin. Uh, Michael Burton is the fullback, and he's sticking around. Right. For the wide receivers, I, I think we know who that is. I think you're you're looking at Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Marvin Mims. I think you're looking at Brandon Johnson, who they believe will be back. I think it will be uh, Marquez Callaway, and I think the the sixth wide receiver will be Kendall Hinton, who. Uh, coaches I agree. just love. I, I, I think Taylor agree. Grimes is is an interesting guy, but I think he could be put on the practice squad. I don't think there's a lot of people scouting him out of incarnate word, and so I think hit and miss a spot. Tight ends, I think they end up keeping three of them. I don't think it's a surprise. It's, it's the two guys they added, Troutman and Manhurts and Dulcich. I think that when you're looking at, I think they like Nate Atkins a lot, but practice squad looks like a, an option for him. Boy, whatever happened. Alberto Buwakenam, as we've been telling everybody, is not going. Now, there was a pass, I think Danucci threw in his direction late in the game that should have been picked off. Remember? Yep. Uh, but otherwise, he's he's been, even on the practice field, he's been the invisible man, which from his standpoint is not a good thing. Centers, I think you have the two set. I think you have Cushenberry and Wattenberg. When you're looking at uh, the rest of the offensive line, this is the only spots that I think are open. You're looking at tackles. Uh, we know that, of course, when you're looking at tackles, Bowles and McGlinchey will be two of them. I think they're going to have to have uh, two others at the moment since we've seen enough of them. I think Isaiah Prince is definitely going to be one. And I think that Cam Fleming is probably going to be the other because the other option really is you have to go to uh, rookies to Demontre Jacobs and Alex Pelchevsky, who might be very good fits on the practice squad instead. So I think that Fleming and Prince probably both make the team at this stage. Looking at guards, uh, they're probably going to keep three of those. Powers and Miners, of course, are the starter. Kyle Fuller makes the most sense to stick around because he can play center and guard, so you have another interior lineman. And, folks, that's the offense. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the roster. On defense, it's not that different. 
when you're looking at defensive ends, you have Zach Allen. You can have you if you want to say Jonathan Harris, that's fine. It's Jonathan Harris. It's really going to be Frank Clark, but whatever. Uh, and and your Mac, Matt Henningsen is going to make the team. Matt Henningsen, I think, may end up being playing more specific, uh, a very significant role. I believe, and you do too, that Elijah Garcia has made the team. And I think there's one spot left on that defensive line, and it's between PJ Mustafer, who's an interesting player, and Tyler Lancaster. And I don't know how that goes. Maybe that, more than anything else, might be the biggest competition for the rest you of the You would week. know better than I on that one. And then uh, I think when you go to the uh, the linebackers on the inside, you know where it's already set there. You're talking about Jewel Singleton, uh, Drew Sanders, and Justin Sternod, that they're all going to make it. When you're looking at the the outside linebackers, well, they'll count Frank Clark, so that's fine. Uh, Frank Clark will, will make it. Of course, Randy Gregory will be there. Jonathan Cooper will be there. Nick Benito will be there. As we know, Aaron Patrick is hurt. There's one, a spot for one more guy. Uh, I honestly don't know who that's going to be. I don't think anyone has distinguished themselves. But if I'm going to just say who's been on the field the most, I guess that's Thomas Income, and that might be your your last guy. It probably would be Aaron Patrick if he's healthy, but he's on injured reserve. And so that may be how that goes. But that's one of the other spots that's left. I guess another outside linebacker slash edge rusher spot is available, uh, but I don't know if there's really anybody who's the favorite for that. Cornerbacks, we know who that is already. Obviously, we're talking about Sertan and Mathis and K1 Williams and Riley Moss. Uh, probably Jaquan McMillan and Isan ba- uh, Bassey. Back-to-back picks, Johnny on the spot on both, but hey, you got to be in the right spot. Probably as the backups there, with apologies to Trayvon Smith, who hasn't had the chance to kick, so I think the writing's on the wall there as long as well as uh, Delonte Hood and late edition Fabian Moreau, who hasn't gotten on the field much either. The safety spots, we know who's there as well. Obviously, that's the safest spot there is. Uh, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns, and likely... Uh, P.J. Locke and Delaire and Turner Yell. Those right. are those are your safeties. Mars the kicker. Dixon's the punter. And maybe your other job that's up for grabs, if you're super excited about joint practices, Mitchell Ferboni versus Jake Lander for the long snapper spot. And, Sandy, that's it. I mean, that's this roster. And I don't know Not if a lot of anything that's going to happen in the joint practices will change it. Is there a better chance the joint practices will change it than the game on Saturday? Oh, I did. there's always it sort of depends when you're talking about these things. Uh, I, I think history would tell us that when there were four games, a fourth game didn't, even though the coaches said otherwise, the fourth game really didn't make any money. Any I can't recall the last decisions. time a guy made a fourth with yeah. a fourth game performance. In fact, fans and are I usually, can recall guys playing right, well guys and are, still yeah, getting cut. fans are stunned when somebody has a right. great game and then it was cut like, the very next day, like a third string quarterback. Right, Brendan Nucci might go bonkers I don't on Saturday, and I don't think uh, they'll make the one team. way or the other. Now, if he's made the team, he's already made the team. If they're going to cut him, uh, there's nothing he can do. Most likely to change that unless uh, I, I would think Danucci played virtually the whole game. I mean, I guess if they stuck Stidham in there and he looked awful again, maybe you'd think, well, I don't know. You know, maybe we need to keep three. There's no way they're cutting Stidham. No. I, I mean, as lousy as he's no, been there has, there's in the no, preseason, no there's no way they're. And that's the thing. that The, the Broncos are pretty so, well aligned. Uh, there's no those four games, and, and now that it's three, I don't think decisions get made on the basis of the game. Um, there are a handful of teams doing joint practices this week, but it's basically three quarters 
of the teams in the league either haven't done them at all or have already done them. Or in the Eagles, Colts Patriots had a and big Titans brawl. case, they canceled they, they, it. They yeah. had a big brawl today. Uh, Titans, Patriots canceled their thing because of the Bolden uh, injury the other night. And of course, uh, very horrible Cardinals. news uh, for, by, with Caleb Farley and the explosion in his home. Titans, the second year player that, uh, pardon me, third year player that his father unfortunately was in that home. Another person was injured. I mean, just uh, that had nothing to do with the, the cancellations, but sort of right. fortunate that it was because just disaster all around. Unfortunately, yeah. between. Uh, those situations. Uh, with I those think teams. Saints and Texans are practicing Broncos, Rams, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, only eight teams are actually doing joint practices this weekend. The Eagles and Colts are already done. So there, there are uh, there's only six yeah. teams left well, to practice at all. They might have been done even if they had scheduled multiple right. days because uh, just Jason up. Kelsey was accused of cheap shotting uh, during the joint <laughs> practice today, and a brawl broke out. And uh, that's the only thing that I think that it's interesting. It it seems like the coaches like the joint practices a lot more than the players do, mm-hmm. but it's the players who are getting in fights. And I don't think the coaches are crazy about fights and joint practices, but I see how it can happen because you're going over the, you're going after the same guys over and over and over again. It's certain times matching up in ways uh, more often than you would during a game. I mean, it ends up being more frequent. So I, I guess you can generate that bad blood a little faster. But uh, you're right on that. I think that the, the fights are more common in the joint practices. Uh, and uh, coaches don't want that. But it is sort of the nature nobody, of the joint practices nobody, compared when, to a when game. teams are conducting uh, an internal practice session, uh, I, I kind of miss some of the fights. It, it used to be a staple up in Greeley, especially during the Oklahoma drills and with with two a day practices in the heat. Everyone's and they'd be tired and frustrated, practice. and you're you, hitting you each get, other. You yeah. get fights all the time, and they. I, I'm not saying they were encouraged, but they weren't exactly discouraged either. And uh, there were um, some rather infamous episodes, um, uh, often including Ruling Jones, mm-hmm. um, who I happen to like as a player, and I kind of liked his demeanor too. But uh, I didn't have to deal with him after a fight, <laughs> and certainly during a fight. Um, he was he was not afraid to fight, but he didn't like it publicized, which I guess I could understand. I but if you, in in those days you could take the whole practice, right? right? They, they weren't they weren't putting any restrictions on. You could get right next to the practice field, and. Uh, Yes, uh, R- Roland Jones got angry at uh, Ron Sapolo one time and made a threat about his not daring to show what had happened mm-hmm. in the Roland Jones fight, lest Roland Jones take additional measures. Um, Ron felt that it's he had to uh, that he had to stand up <laughs> for himself, and he showed it. And Roland Jones never said a word about. It. Yeah, I was like, that sort of defeats the purpose, right? Don't show me fighting or I'll fight you. Well, <laughs> make a lot or, of sense. Or, or, I don't know, freeze you out. Or, uh, there would be some kind of retribution. I don't think even Ruland really would ever consider it. meaning physical retribution, but there would be some penalty yeah. attached. And, of course, there was none. And uh, Ruland was... Uh, not necessarily one of the guys you would look to after games, be they wins or losses, first anyway. 
I kind of like them. Uh, well, Broncos like that. That you. was that. That was the old days. I mean, you're talking about the the, uh, the all-time sack leaders. Rulon Jones is. I like. The he, he's up. He's up on that list. I mean, when you're talking about it. Oh, he's a hell of a player. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the more underrated Broncos. Rulon Jones is still fifth on the all-time list in yeah. sacks with 73 and a half, and that's and by the way, that's only five and a half behind Carl Mecklenburg. Yeah. He's third. Yeah. Carl Mecklenburg is another guy that Jeff Legwald's been advocating uh, for the Hall of Fame. That that's probably you know, a few years away from uh, happening if if it happens at all. But, um, you know, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's got a really good sense of this thing, and I I, I think Jeff has been fighting hard for Gratishar, and hopefully we'll have the announcement tomorrow uh, we will have the that announcement Randy Gratishar is. Uh, hopefully that is indeed the case. On his way. As, I, as I talked about with Mecklenburg, we were talking about it on the break, and uh, sometimes you, when the – Marsha Falks and Ladanian Tomlinson's of the world put more focus on Roger Craig, who's one of those 12 finalists. He's probably not going to be selected, but I, he's one I of those 12 finalists. this year he'll make But Carl Mecklenburg was Micah Parsons before there was a Micah Parsons. In a sense, yeah. And, and maybe yeah. when you're looking at sense. that type of player now and realizing how impactful that can be, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. modern voters looking through that lens might be able to get a little better idea of Mecklenburg's true value. Carl Mecklenburg was drafted, I believe, in the 12th round. 12th round. When yep. there were 12 rounds anymore. in in the draft. But you said he was studying he was for almost, his pre-med. Right. Almost not drafted. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have been drafted for most drafts. Run. I mean, and, and, and been a long time since. Might not have been drafted. Right? Yeah. I mean, he was 310th overall. That's yeah. that's not a draft anymore. I mean, you're gone. That's Brock Purdy territories. Fifty picks prior. That's true. so. I mean, that's, that's not true. a that's not a Mr. thing. Mr. Irrelevant is in the what high two fifties, low two sixties. So uh, you know, in, in Mecklenburg's case, and one of the in, and of course the the knock was was speed. I remember actually interviewing him uh, right here on these airwaves many years ago, asking him about some of those stories, and he pointed out specifically, he's like the only times I ever ran forty yards in a straight line. Right. I've never had a chance of catching that guy anyway because exactly. he was already behind me. That's so exactly. you know, I looked at the forty and. And talked about how that works sometimes, and he's like, "Look, for certain positions, it makes sense. For mine, didn't make any sense. He, he never was, run in a straight line. He was quick. Uh, he was deceptively quick. He's deceptively strong, and he could really play all seven positions. He wasn't just a guy oh, yeah. who all everything in the front seven dabbled at the seven different positions. He could really play in a three-four or four-three." Any one of the seven positions. Yeah, he, he really. Hopefully, could. he would be. And he was next. smart enough to know exactly what he was supposed to do. I mean, I never remember, never remember Carl Mecklenburg being out of position, regardless of the particular position he was playing. He was always in the right spot. Yeah, not only... Always in the right not spot. Not only third all-time in... I mean, this, it's your, there's your combination. Third all-time in sacks for the Broncos. Second all-time in tackles. But he was Gratishar-like in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all over everywhere. Randy Gratishar was never out of position either. Never blew an assignment. Well, we get to hear all this, and you know that means the sound of football. But is, I, I know he didn't snort like Jack Lambert did. So apparently, <laughs> yeah, he weren't, weren't as, wasn't as, uh, edge. as fun on the NFL Films videos. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's the, way, the way it goes. We're TV world. Sound of football, yeah, that's you're hearing it because it's coming back, and now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use that promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose. They'll match that first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports. 
and the promo code Mile High. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Could Russell Wilson be the comeback player of the year? A whole bunch of people think so, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. I'll explain next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, the numbers at that MGM on the comeback player of the year. Of course, there's all sorts of players on it, but um, as you can imagine, there is a heavy, heavy, heavy. Did I say heavy? Heavy favorite. For comeback player of the year, he plays for the Buffalo Bills. His name is Demar Hamlin. You probably know why. Uh, his odds at BetMGM of winning the comeback player of the year is minus two seventy five. <laughs> that is a substantial. That favorite. means you have to bet two hundred seventy five dollars to, to make a hundred dollars. Right now, the next best, and there are three. It is John Mechie the third. The Wide receiver who came back from the, from the year-long battle that he had uh, to a tag of Iloa and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mechie and Tagovailoa and Jackson are all at plus 2,000, which means if you were to bet $100, you'd win $2,000 on them. Leading the next group of players in a tier of one at plus 2,500 is Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. That kind of shows well, how he far would that qualify. The, yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> the funny thing is, he was he was bad enough to qualify for comeback of the year honors this year. Tagovailoa and Jackson in limited yeah. duty were better than well, Russell Wilson. That last was year. the main problem. Not not that Jackson played badly, and certainly Tua played well before certainly. the concussion yeah, started MVP to crop up. Uh, Yeah, so it, it, their candidates and and not particularly strong ones just because they missed games last year. That wasn't Russell Wilson's problem, although he did miss two. And for him, that's something that uh, hasn't generally happened to him. Uh, One other year, his last year in Seattle, he missed three. So I guess you could say the last two years, he's missed five games. Maybe that's a warning sign of sorts. But um, I think the Broncos uh, will go to great lengths to protect him. We've talked about that a lot um, to the point where, you know, if they have to put uh, an electrical transmitter on him to shock him, to make him <laughs> throw the ball after uh, under two seconds or right around two seconds, uh, you know, I'm obviously kidding. Uh, but, yeah, he, he would have a shot. And Bill Barnwell, I did, this demands further research. Bill Barnwell contended that, Quarterbacks coming back from bad years in their mid-30s or so. Well, you have Brett Favre, you have Eli Manning, you have your favorite, Philip Rivers, <laughs> uh, Steve McNair. Um, my initial reaction is none of those four. Uh, they had off years, not bad years. Russell Wilson 
had a bad year. Yeah, this this would be, if not unprecedented, close to it. But it's interesting to get I, I an idea very close of how interesting of how people look at it because Russell Wilson. When you look at the and BetMGM released this is the, the the ticket percentage. In other words, the number of just pure bets, the number of bets placed on players. Demar Hamlin, despite being the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite, the only player, by the way, in you know, in minuses when it comes to the odds. Well, yeah, six point five percent. Jackson is at seven percent. Tua is at eight point nine percent. Russell Wilson is at twenty four point three. Basically, one out of every four bets. On yeah. comeback player of the year is on Russell Wilson. Uh, to me, that is crazy. He, here's, I think, if not the main reason, one of the main reasons why Hamlin is up there. At the beginning of camp, I don't think this is true anymore, but at the beginning of the camp, I I think this is even being said publicly. That he had to prove he could make the team. Remember, he was not a featured player last year. He was playing because they had injuries at safety. But he was not a lock to make the team, mm-hmm. particularly given what happened in early January. Yeah, you had to feel he was not a lock to make the team. All these other candidates, no, nobody's talking about Cutman. He was the one guy who's, you know, he's going to have to go out and earn it. And he did in a very tangible, obvious way, show that he had not lost his appetite for hitting. He's more than willing to play special teams. If asked, and he will be asked, I suspect he is not a starter per se, but I I think he's been so impressive during camp, and it's one of the few true feel-good stories really of sports is. that we have right now. It really is. Uh, Javante Williams, by the way, 10th most uh, tickets bet on He'd him. He'd be a candidate, sure. At plus 4,000. Injury, injury related. I think an actually candidate. a better candidate than some of the guys ahead of him, I quite think so. frankly. I, I actually do think so because, uh, he first of all, he comes back unusually fast. And, you know, if he's healthy and right, I, I you know, I don't expect him to be his old self necessarily right away. But there's no reason in an offense that will try to they try to run the ball, hoping they're ahead a little more often than they were last year, and I would think that's a distinct possibility. Uh, he'll have a chance to gain 11, 1,200 yards if he can average 4.4, 4, 4.5 yards a carry. If he's better than that, I think he's a cinch for 1,000 yards. And that's a pretty good shot at 1,200, maybe even 1,300. And if you missed almost the whole year, I mean, that's a uh... – that's going to make some but, noise. I, I mean, let's say 200 carries at four yards a carry. That's 800. Right. At uh, four and a half yards a carry. I mean, you're you're right there, right? Yeah. And I yeah, I, I think it's entirely possible. I think that's a that's one of those fits. And there are there are others you look at too and realize like, oh, that's right, missed last year. You know, Cooper Cup um, would be another guy thinking, oh, well, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to come back and, and put up good numbers. But there is sort of a bullishness on the Broncos. The coach of the year uh, as well, Sean Payton, is the second likeliest in odds, uh, plus 1,100, behind only Dan Campbell of the Lions, a plus 850 to win coach of the year. And when it talks about the percentages, Campbell is almost a third, 
uh, on Campbell and 14% on Peyton. The next up is Matt Peyton's got to have a winning record. Uh, it's 6.1, yeah. But, I mean, but it, but it shows have a winning me record. that. And, and the other guys, too. too there right? is generally a bullishness on the Broncos. There is. There is. I, I guess we're not. I firmly believe the Broncos are finally turning things around and going in the right direction. I happen to think it's going to be slower going. I but think so, too. If It seems that but at least most people believe that's not I, the case. I, I, that there are a lot of reputable people, uh, including Bill Barnwell today on ESPN.com, who have the Broncos making the playoffs this year. And, and don't necessarily say that, the Raiders are going to win three or four games and the Chargers are going to collapse and the Chiefs will have injuries and the defense will be exposed. No, he thinks in the AFC, he's he's not qualifying it. He thinks the Broncos just, are a playoff team. I just team. look at it and, and I'm I, trying to figure I out just who, don't are they, see it, who are they hopping over? I mean, who are well, they hopping exactly, over? Exactly. Now, now it is, I don't think this is in Barnwell's piece, but when you're, Looking at strength of divisions, someday, might even be this year, we're going to have four teams, all four teams in the division, qualify for the playoffs. Well, yeah, with the, with the expansion in the wild card, yes, I think that's possible. I, I do. I think that you can see that happening. And uh, maybe, I don't think this. The, I don't think the AFC East is good enough, but if, if you're looking at the most bullish predictions, uh, it could. Could, the, the could AFC, be the AFC East. Could be the AFC North. Could be the AFC North, yeah. That's another one with a, a lot of teams. You know, if Cleveland yep. really is better, that, that could be in the mix because Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. But right. that's where I still look at the Broncos. I'm like, who are they going to jump? Are they better than the Dolphins? I don't think so. Are they better than the Bills? I don't think so. It isn't just the division. Right. Are they better than the Steelers? I, I, they're, I guess they're maybe close, but I don't really think so. Are they better than the Ravens? I don't think so. Are they better than the Bengals? No. Are they better than the Jaguars? No. Uh, that's six right there. Are they better than the well, Chiefs? Obviously not. You know, the, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to not only have a great year if you're the Broncos, but you're gonna have to have some of the teams that are expected to do well stumble. That's the part I think is interesting. So you not only have to have the Broncos have a good year, because I, I think even the most ardent Broncos fan cannot literally say they're gonna, they would have been 11 games. They'd go 11 and six this year. I think well, I think 10 and 10 and seven maybe could we, be the case. And that was a very bullish USA Today. We mentioned the ESPN rankings. Uh, yesterday, and the Broncos are more or less middle of the third tier. Mm-hmm. If you break the league down into roughly 11s, yeah, quarters, yeah, uh, eight team tier at the top with Kansas City, second eight led by the Chargers. So that gives you an idea where they rate the Broncos from the division. Broncos and Raiders are in the third tier, but uh, the Broncos would rank according to this compilation mm-hmm. the broncos would rank 12th in the afc and the raiders would rank 13th so uh, i mean the broncos and raiders may not be terrible but uh, you know and in these rankings That's the problem. Just these rankings jump. these are the teams ahead of them cleveland new england pittsburgh jets jacksonville chargers ravens dolphins bills Bengals Chiefs. I mean, I mean, and if you're 12th, you might as well be 15th. Yeah. I mean, you're nowhere near the top the seven. It doesn't matter. That's that's the problem. It is a challenge. 
The uh, Colorado Rockies, by the way, underway in Tampa. They are uh, losing. They're scrapping. No, they're scrapping. They are losing. But uh, boy, uh, enjoy the uh, next few weeks of baseball, Rockies fans. Then the, the next six again in Tampa, and then in Baltimore. Then you go, and then they come back here. But you play the Atlanta Braves and the Toronto and, and, and Blue by Jays. By the way, if you want Yo, to bear witness to loss number one hundred, remember the Rockies finish up with a seven-game homestand. So I think I tickets are going to be available. Think, I don't think uh, there will be um, 100 losses before that seven-game homestand. So you'll you'll, but you might be very close to 100. And it's the Dodgers and the Twins, a couple of first-place teams that uh, begins and concludes our Rockies talk for the day. Yes. And maybe, probably for the week. And so, our program. We'll and, and the We snuck him in. We the snuck him in, Rockies fans. Was least. We snuck him in. Uh, thanks to Aaron Anderson from Fox 31 for joining us. Thanks to Danny Bailey for making everything work uh, in the booth there. Thanks to you for joining us, whether it's on the FM or the HD dial or just in the dial on HD, but you know what I mean. MileHighSports.com or World the easiest radio, way, guys. the uh, Think about Mile gosh. High Sports app. That's the easiest way to do it. That's the easiest way to get all of it. So make sure you check that out. By the way, the new Mile High Sports magazine uh, available now. And boy, it's a good one. We'll have a chance to talk more about that as well. But that'll do it for us today. The Broncos joint practice with the Rams get underway tomorrow. We'll be all over that, as you can imagine. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll catch you then. But until then, keep it right here on Mile High Sports. Your block,